and I hear them coming in. So I dial 911 and I'm just screaming, please stop, please stop. Don't come in. Don't, don't hurt me. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. Just want to give a quick shout out to all of our patrons who are supporting the show over at patreon.com slash OPL show. If you sign up for our Patreon, you get bonus episodes and you also get access to our Discord where you can talk to uh, previous guests that we've had on. Also, you get a behind the scenes look at how we vet our guests and how we pre-plan every episode. Yeah, so we got an email that was titled, My Boyfriend Tried to Have Me Murdered. So we're for sure in for a wild ride of a story today. Uh, but we also thought that it would be important to hear the story because it can definitely serve as, I think, an example of domestic violence, abuse, uh, the fact that it is so common and, and how it can spiral out of control, how difficult that situation can be for people uh, who are in it and, and for people to get out of it. So we've got our guests on the line and we thank you for taking the time out today to be on the show and, and share a story that I'm sure isn't uh, an easy one to tell. Well, thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here and to share the story, too. It's kind of cathartic. Yeah, no, I, a lot of people say that, which is uh, always good to hear. And we, we're here to listen. So I think to you know, start out, who, who is this person, this, this boyfriend, uh, and, and how did you meet them? Well, I, I actually met um, him at a club, which maybe should have been my first sign, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. And, um, and I had no real interest in him. He was a little bit older than me, but um, he just sh showed some kindness. And um, I don't know, some people that I worked with um, told me later that he was interested in me. And I was um, leaving a, a, a bad relationship at the time. And uh, he ended up getting my phone number through those friends and just calling and checking and seeing how I was doing. And so, you know, he just kind of was friendly. He opened the door that way. And I said, look, you know, I'm getting out of this weird situation. I'm um, living with a friend and my boyfriend and I'm moving out and looking for a place. And um, we talked a few times on the phone and, and yeah, over the course of a few weeks, he wanted to, to hang out. And I don't know. I said, yes. <laughs> so how long were you guys you know seeing each other or dating uh officially so total um it was a little bit over a year um but it was about a year when i started noticing some weird things or close to a year when i noted started noticing some warning signs what were some of those so we had a really awesome relationship. We got along great. And um, I don't know, I thought I could marry him. Um, we talked about that a few different times. Um, just super compatible and had the best time. I mean, it, I was head over heels in love. I mean, really, I was. And um, I don't know, towards the end uh, there of that year, a couple of times he got a little possessive or a little jealous I remember one time we were at a restaurant and um, some friends of ours had like rented it out and there was a buffet and I was standing in line and I was just making small talk with some guys that were in front or behind me and he, later he kind of freaked out and he was really jealous and he was, you know, kind of accusing me of 
hitting on them or being receptive to their then if they were making passes at me or whatever and you know i'm like dude nothing nothing was happening it's fine like we're <laughs> you were right there across the room it's not a big deal um but i just brushed it off and then another time um we got into an argument and it was like a month later so i didn't think too much about it but he took my purse and i don't know that's just weird to me like a female you know that's my stuff that's my that's kind of like an extension of your person for some women. Does that he make sense? He just took it. Yeah, of course. But he just like took it. So and- like, yeah. So we're like in a heated argument. We're fighting and he's saying, you know, he's going to leave. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, go. We need to cool down. And he grabs my purse and takes it with him and leaves with my purse. That possessiveness it just seems, you know, so common um, to the point that it, it's something I feel like we see so much on you know tv movies um as as kind of those early warning signs of someone who uh you know is potentially a psychopath potentially abusive well absolutely i mean it's definitely something that you can look out for is like any behaviors that seem overly controlling um abnormally jealous or the possessiveness for sure is this kind of you know looking back like in in hindsight these things are more clear or were they super clear you know in the moment um but just kind of brushed off at the time well they're definitely very clear now but thankfully i had a mom that that did teach me some of these things and she made me watch a lot of lifetime movies (laughs) and so i did have a good understanding of what uh you know domestic violence was and at the time, though, you know, I was I was heartbroken because I really loved him and wanted things to work. And so when that second incident happened, you know, it was upsetting and it was hurtful. But I wasn't like, well, he's an abuser. I mean, that wasn't my first thought right away, right? Because it didn't get that bad. And uh, yeah, so it did take a little bit of time of several more incidents before I really was able to see clearly what was going on. So, you know, as you are noticing these kind of things, you start to realize like, okay, these, this is, this is some characteristics that I don't really fuck with, with this guy. (laughs) And at what point did you feel like, or did you ever get to the point where it was like, you know, while you were still in the relationship where you're like, damn, I'm in an abusive relationship and, and which kind of, you know, what, what was happening around that time? Um, and and was it actually, you know, him now as we know like trying to fucking murder you or was it you know another time where you're like this is bad i need to get out well it was all very gradual and and um and slow and innocent seeming um you know and of course he would be very apologetic and those incidents were kind of spread out so maybe one happened in maybe october and then one happened in november and um he also was under a lot of pressure um with different things that was going on. He, he had full custody of his three kids and I knew that he had some issues with his ex-wife, just, you know, not, she wasn't really stepping up to the plate. And so there was lots of stuff there. So I was, you know, when you love someone and you, you try to make, um, concessions for them and, and maybe at some point even excuses if it gets to that. So, yeah. So one of the things that, 
one of the latter things that happened is that he he got mad about something i can't even remember what now but he broke the the side mirror on my vehicle and i worked at a car dealership so the vehicle wasn't even mine it was one of those loaner vehicles and um he like kicked it or something and it and it shattered and that was the that was a pivotal point because I was like, okay, this is more than just a little jealousy or possessiveness. Like this is actual violence. This is aggression, outwardly aggression. I'm not cool with this. This is not okay. Like there's a problem here. So yeah, I, I told him we, we, we can't, we can't do this. Um, so I kind of backed away. Um, and he, you know, he really didn't want to let me go. And I, I really didn't, I didn't want to break up either. I just wanted him to be the other side of him, you know? Right. So I agreed to get some counseling with him. So we went to counseling a couple of times. And also, I mean, I, this was a hundred years ago. I mean, I think I was, I was 22, 23. And so, you know, we were partying and hanging out at clubs and stuff like that. And that was the other thing. I was like, well, maybe we're drinking too much. Maybe that's it. So, you know, we kind of decided to calm things down and, thought that that might help and so, but then the incidents happen again yeah so i know in in the email you know i guess as as you mentioned it's you know it's gradual up to this point and you sort of see new behavior presenting itself now in the form of more violence more aggression uh at what point did it really you know kind of cross the line essentially and cross that barrier into uh, you know, a, a, a whole new level where, you know, now your kind of safety um, was in jeopardy and, and, and things like that. So the breaking the car mirror was really serious for me. Um, I was not okay with that. And um, then he, I did take some distance and he kind of started um, calling my job and leaving voicemails. And he would say, you know, how sorry he was. And I've got tickets to the ballet. Anything that I loved or he knew would really get to me, he would offer it, right? And I miss you and all this kind of stuff. And um, and I was like, no, you know, it's not okay. So then one day I was, um, I was coming home from work and a car pulled up and it was a friend of his, a mutual friend of both of ours, actually. She was driving, he was in the passenger seat and he got out and he was like, hey, hey. And I was like, what are you doing here? And I just felt nervous. And he said, I want to talk. I want to talk. And I just had a bad feeling that he did not want to talk. And he looked kind of crazy. He had like a glassed over look in his eyes. Um, you've probably heard this before, but people will, you know, say someone's like the Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. And that, and he, he did, he had took on that other persona. So I started, I, I grabbed my keys to get back into the house and he was right there at the door. And I'm like, I'm like shaking my hand. I'm trying to get in the door. And then I noticed I could not get in my door. So then I try to get in my car. So just like a movie, I'm getting in my car. I'm trying to, you know, start the ignition. And I got the left hand on the door and he's got his hands on the door and he's pulling it open and he's yelling, get out. I just want to talk to you. And I was like, you're scaring me. You know, I'm trying to appeal to his senses, but, or his rationalization, but there's really, there was none. There was no hope in that. And then he, he, Basically, he pulled me from the vehicle and beat the shit out of me right there in the parking lot of my apartments, right in front of this chick. And the whole time she's screaming, 
I'm so sorry. I just thought he wanted to talk to you. I was like, I'm like, he's dragging me around by my hair. He's kicking me. And I'm like, call the police, call the police. And she's just standing there like, oh, I'm so sorry. It was ridiculous. <laughs> what was the reason for this fight? This was after you like created some distance? Yeah, I think he was just feeling threatened because I was trying to end the relationship and I had been a little stern about it. I had done a good job with avoiding most of his calls. He hadn't been able to get in touch with me. Um, I had somebody at work that was filtering and not putting him through, thank God. And then he wanted to talk to me. And he came right at the time where he knew, you know, that I was going to be home from work. So nothing... Ex nothing per se happened at that moment, but I believe because I wouldn't stay in there and talk to him or because he saw that I looked nervous. I don't, I don't know. He freaked out. Maybe he was high. Maybe he was on drugs. I don't know that. He, I don't know. That's the part I don't know too. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, it's really hard to hear and it's crazy because like you just said, like a movie and it's, you know, it's just crazy how kind of predictable some of this behavior is from people who are capable of, doing things like this of, of reaching this level that have like you said kind of a darker side that you know they they try to hide and they try to you know almost manipulate someone in, into believing that they don't have that in them and then it kind of comes out in these types of moments um but wow and, and you mentioned like you know he could have been high or something like that is this someone you found out like you know, like, did they do drugs? Were they into something shady? Or was this just like a seemingly normal guy with like a normal suit and tie job? Or, you know, were, were there any other kind of signs? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, he was, a, he was older than me. Um, by like, he was quite a bit older by like 18 years older than me. Um, which other people thought that was weird, like, you know, my family and stuff. But I didn't because we were really inseparable and seemed really compatible. Um, had he stayed a normal person, I don't think the age thing would have gotten in the way. But yes, I mean, when I met him, you know, there's partying going on and I don't want to say he was a drug addict, but you know, there was social um, type of, you know, partying activities going on um, in our circles and, and in his life and stuff. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I think probably, yes, at some point he probably did do more than what I had thought or known about. And some of it was secretive. Um, and as far as him being a good guy and, and his job and stuff, you know, it's crazy. He was loved by everybody. He was loved by everybody. And he was a very prominent salon owner. He actually was a hairstylist and he owned a salon there for many, many years where we lived. And all of like, you know, the wealthy people would, in town went there um, to get their hair done. And I think he even worked for, there's a very famous singer um, who's been around since like the 70s. And he worked for their band one time and did hair for band members. Um, he had a lot of money. And he had a lot of prestige. We used to, when we would go out, people would let us get to the front of the lines. They would give us the best seats. We would get free food and free drinks. And we were kind of like, I don't know, a local celebrity or something. It was, it was really nice. I mean, <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was, you know, but, but, uh, 
in the end and all and I you know I go into it in a minute but yes I did find out there was another life there's different kinds of things that were going on behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of in the beginning so at, at what point um does it start to become you know very bad and you know we get to this point which is you know pretty much the reason why we're talking is that he tries to have you killed like what sort of led up to that moment you know what kind of fight was that was that a gradual thing and what was that sort of experience like so um he he had no good reason i'll tell you that well (laughs) we um so this incident happened and they drove away and left me in the parking lot and i was just crying and crying and you know begging for someone to call the police and when i realized that no help was coming and nobody was going to help me i pulled myself up off of the ground and got in the car and i was all beat up and i was devastated and i called a friend and she said you need to go to the emergency room like you've got i'll meet you there go to the emergency room and so i went there and it was crazy because they started documenting like they took photos and they wanted me to sign something and they called the police and i was like well well, i don't know if i want to press charges you know and they're like look i mean when there is a criminal activity when there's domestic assault you do not press the charges the city presses the charges and you become the witness whether you really want to or not that's how it was explained to me and so that also was a realization like oh crap like this is some serious stuff right It's scary, too, knowing what he just did pretty much, like, unprovoked. All you did was not talk to him and, like, give in to him kind of stalking you. Um, so, yeah, that that decision to now, you know, turn against him in a way where criminal charges could be pressed and then you have this, you know, kind of threat looming over you of potentially more violence, that must be a really scary position to be in. It was scary, and I, I was worried also because the job that I had at the car dealership, um, I got the hookup through a close friend of his. His wife was a manager and, and, and liked me and she offered me a position, but he was still very good friends with the owner of the dealership. So I was also worried about my job. Um, so yeah, we, um, but, but in the end, you know, when I'm standing there talking to the domestic violence um, advocate and my friend and the police, and I was faced with making the decision on whether I wanted to give all the information and agree to be a witness and sign the, I was like, you know what? Yes. Yes. Because you can't just do this to me. I'm a person. I'm a person. You can't just do this and get away. So please, I do want to see this followed through to the, the, you know, as far as the extent of the law will go. Um, I'm not going to be some lifetime woman that's just, you know, 50 years later still trying to get out of her abusive relationship. So I was like, no way. This is where I put my foot down. So I did. I helped and, um, you know, they were making a case and all that kind of stuff. I had to go and get a restraining order. That was that sucked because they're like it's probably not going to work. <laughs> you really can't keep anybody away from you with these things. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder about that, but but basically, so you you went kind of full on get this guy away from me. I'm, I'm going to tell 
tell the police whatever they need to know. Um, so I'm guessing that didn't go over well with him. It didn't go over well, but there's a couple interesting things that happened. A little some, some twists that you um, might care to know about. So one day I show up at home and my door is open. And of course, I'm kind of scared to go in. And I'm looking around and I'm like, what? What is going on? Nothing really looked like it was messed up or missing or whatever. Then I go into my closet and all the thing, anything that he had bought for me or given to me that was shoes, clothes, was gone. Any jewelry that he gave to me was gone. And hair products. <laughs> any really expensive hair products were missing out of my uh my shower so when i called the police right and i'm like just fingerprints and well like he if he's your boyfriend his fingerprints will probably be all over the place it's really your word against his word and there's no proof that it was him i said look what kind of thief is going to take hair products? <laughs> Clearly, this is like an angry boyfriend. He took everything he ever gave for me. So he robbed me. Who's also a hairstylist, like kind of gives it away. Exactly. I said, I, I was so mad. So, you know, I documented everything and nothing really became of that. Um, except I was scared, you know, to live there. Um, and then... So that was interesting and sucked because I lost all, a lot of my nice things that he got me to. I was mad about that. Um, and then we, okay, so so the very net, like the big point in the story was this. So I was told um, by my advocate that if, right now it's a mis- it was a misdemeanor um, assault charge, but because I had been staying with him for months, even though I had my own apartment, I had a toothbrush there. I had a dresser there, had gotten some mail there that technically we were living together. And in the state that we were in, if you reside together and this type of thing happens, it becomes a felony charge. And they wanted it to be a felony charge. They wanted it to stick and to really be on his record and, you know, and mean something. And I agreed. And we weren't stretching the truth at all. So, you know, that was good that, it, you know, I had happened to have evidence at his place that I lived there should anybody be looking for it so then I had to go to family court family court is where you go if you need an order of protection which is much more solid than a restraining order and I'm in this back room and um, I tell the lady I said I'm nervous is he going to be here I don't want to face him I was like, I'm so nervous. This, my apartment got broken into this, that, and the other. I was like, I'm telling you right now, this guy has some connections. He can get things done. He can get things done illegally or legally. Like, he is well-connected. I believe that he might even have mafia connections. She said, what? Wait a minute. What did you say his name was? And I said his name. And... um she opens the drawer of her desk and she pulls out a file and she looks in it and then she she just gives me this serious look and she said if i know that name i know it very well and if you think you've had it rough you have no idea what his wife has been through whoa wow so he had a second whole thing going on was his ex-wife 
but, and they were legally divorced. Um, but what I didn't know is that he did not have custody of his kids. He was in the middle of a very long, dirty custody battle that had been going on for a few years. So he had temporary physical custody of his kids, which is what I saw. I saw that he had his kids. I knew that he had his kids. Right. And so then all these thoughts keep going through my head. Well, well, I heard her be crazy. I, I heard her on the phone. I heard this and that. And, and then I, I realized I was like, oh my gosh, he was setting it up to make it look like she was this bad, terrible mother, that she was this bad, horrible person. And probably the times that she was maybe crying or yelling on the phone was because she had to deal with him her whole life. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, he's a serial abuser. So this is nothing new to him. He's just going through the motions that he's probably already been through with her. Right. It was very shocking. I mean, I had wow. to sit there and really, I, I, I just couldn't get it together for, for minutes. It took me quite a long time before I could go into the courtroom because that was a piece of information that I did not know. I was not imagining and expecting to hear that. And, and was he there? Like, did it, throughout this process, did you ever have to kind of face him in person? So for the order of protection, he was actually not in the courtroom at that time. Um, I was granted the order of protection and that meant that he couldn't, you know, contact me or come within so many feet or whatever it is of me, or he would go to jail. So that was good. And then we did go to court. We did go to court. He he was um, there was a warrant put out for his arrest. He was picked up um, at work. I'm sure that went over well. And then I had to face him in court. So when you're like, okay, so I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> already like wild like to deal with it you have to go through all of this but so what you know as the story goes on i'm still kind of wondering like okay at what point does this guy make the decision to be like i am going to hire hitman to have her murdered is it was it because of you know you bringing this to the police and because of the court the whole thing I am, <clears throat> excuse me, I am convinced that it has to do with the possibility of a domestic violence felony charge, a, a felony domestic um, assault charge being on his record affecting his custody case. So if she had accused him of, of abuse at all and it was you know, she was trying to use it in order to have custody of the kids, use that information. And I'm assuming, based on what happened between us after all of this, that he, that it was swept under the rug, that people weren't listening to her, that he had the connections in the courts and all this kind of stuff, because that, that is what developed. That ended up opening, and I saw all of that. Like, he knew everybody. Like, the judge, the family court judge, I mean, that that was some, one of his clients. So the DA, like everybody he was connected to. So what I think is that he knew that that was going to smear him and maybe be the end of his facade, his, his pretending that I'm this great dad, I am a, a, you know, a respecter of women and I'm in this field with women, you know, and I, I'm a prominent businessman and, and, you know, I have clout and respect and whatever. I think it was right. just gonna, yeah, I think it would have shattered all of that. And I, I believe that 
he came probably from an environment maybe that was like, well, you know, when people get in your way, you, you get rid of them, I think, kind of thing. So this is, yeah, I mean, how, how you know, and, and sorry if it is, you know, hard to talk about or relive, you know, this moment in particular, but I mean, hiring hitmen to have you, like what, how does that even happen? And, and what was that experience for you? How did that all unfold? I know, right? And I think about it still to this day, and like my friends and family, you know, when we discuss this, that is, we still are in shock. How do you just go from being so angry or so hurt, even if somebody ruins your life, to saying to someone, yeah, I'll pay you if you take them out. Like, I, I will, I want this to happen. Let's remove this person from the face of the earth. Um, that's crazy, right? So can you, can you like, yeah, I mean, yes, it is crazy, <laughs> but can you describe, um, you know, the, the incident, like, you know, your home, like what happens? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, oh, well, I, you know, he did get arrested. He went to jail for like four hours and he was released, of course. Um, just as a side note. Okay. So then about a week after that a week after we went to court and he was arrested and and let out of jail i am sleeping on my couch in the middle of the night and i lived in an apartment um that was on the first floor my door was right beside my sliding glass door so i had like a front door and then like a little patio first of all never do that i'll always (laughs) have a back door yeah (laughs) you always want to have an escape route um I woke up and I heard some noises and I looked and my cats were like standing on some boxes with their heads peeked through the long Venetian blinds looking out of the, the glass. And I was like, that's weird. And then I think I started to, you know, doze off again. And then I heard some noises on my porch and I was like, what is that? So I look through the, I peer open the blinds and I see somebody in a ski mask outside of my glass door with a brick and they are busting through the glass right in front of my face trying to get in and get me it's not subtle at all wow right no it was not subtle it was not like put let's put some poison in your coffee or put something in your gas tank or something jeez so so uh, you you look out and this guy's just bashing a brick through your fucking window somebody with a ski mask yes and there's no other way out of your apartment like you said like you are you are you trapped essentially at this moment yeah so i um i go to try to fiddle with the front door and then i'm like wait that's dumb and there luckily there was a hutch that was sitting in front of the glass door so there was a little bit of space on the left of the hutch and a little bit of space on the right of the hutch you know where the the door was not obstructed there were a few boxes that had not been ever unpacked um, but they were, there was two of them and they were trying to make their way through the door. Now, at first I only saw the one person, but, but I heard them both coming. So I fiddled with the front door. I was like, this is dumb. Then I grabbed the phone, one of those old cordless phones. I ran to the back and I was like, I am freaking trapped. There's nowhere. Like, I don't even know. I, can, I don't even know if you can get out these windows. And I hear them coming in. So I dial 911. And I'm just screaming, please stop. Please stop. Don't come in. Don't. Don't hurt me. And um, 
I don't remember if they ever said anything, but I found myself in the corner that was like over by the front door and the couch. And I, one of the dudes came towards me and he had the brick and he was holding it up and he starts hitting me with it. And the phone dropped out of my hand onto the floor, just like in a movie, like, eh, 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 eh. and I put my hands up in front of my face and my head and I'm screaming, please, please take my money. Guys, I, I had just like cashed my che check. I had $500 cash in my purse. They never went to my purse. They never went to my jewelry box. They never went, you know, for the TV, the dishes, nothing. They came straight for me. They did not even take the time to look for anything else. So... The one guy's hitting me and I'm screaming and I'm kind of protecting myself and he's, he's mostly hitting my hands now. And at first on the inside, I'm, I'm freaking out. I mean, my heart is racing and I'm just like, I'm about to die here. Um, and then I hear a voice that says, play dead. And, and it was, I mean, I attribute it to being God, but I mean, you know, could have been myself, could have been guardian angel. I don't know. It wasn't those guys. I'll tell you that. And um, I played it, played it, just drop. And so I just dropped like I fainted. I pretended to just pass out and I literally went completely loose and limp and fell to the floor. And when I did that, um, I just waited to die. I back, the guy backed up and I don't know where the second guy was, but the one guy, he backed up and he turned, he pointed a gun at me. I was kind of just had like one little tiny sliver of my eye, you know, open. He had his hand turned to the side, you know, like gangsters shoot their guns. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and he backed up and he shot. He just shot and, and I, and I was just laying there and I was just waiting to die. And again, at first I was really scared. And then I, and then I heard a voice, which I, I really feel like it was God. And it said, it's okay. It's, it's, it's only going to hurt for a second. <clears throat> and then you'll be on the other side with me. And so I just waited to die. And I laid there and I laid there and I laid there and I, and they crawled out of the window crawled back through the, you know, the glass door window. And then I just kept laying there. And then eventually police and ambulance came. Did, did you get shot? Yeah. I know. So it was so crazy because I was in shock. I was in, you know, just real legitimate physical mental shock. And I kept saying to the ambulance people, they shot me and they're like, where? And I was like, I don't know. Why am I alive? They, they shot me. They shot right at me. I mean, he pointed it right at me. He was not very far away either. I mean, maybe, I don't know, 10 feet, 12, maybe 15, maybe, maybe nine. So they're checking my body and they're like, ma'am, you don't have any gunshots. You don't have any, any gun wounds. I said, well, it, maybe it was a fake gun then. It had to be a fake gun. 
And um, I said, they were asking me questions and I did smell something. And they, and they, they, they had told me, well, you, you know, you smelled something, that's gunpowder. So it was probably like, I don't know, 20 minutes later that another person, one of the police officers or investigators or something goes, oh, guys, look at this. And they pointed and down by the floor where I had been laying, there was a bullet in the wall about six inches above where my back had been. Wow. So they did shoot and it, I'm assuming it just missed you? Yeah. And so we don't know, you know, if they intended to miss and the purpose was to scare me or if they intended to kill me and they missed. Wow. Right. Wow. And they never said anything the entire time. I don't remember them saying anything. So when you go to the police with something like this, like, how do you sort of report it? And how do you, you know, did you ever legally or get confirmation that it was your ex-boyfriend who sent these people to your house? You know, from that moment there, the police start taking, you know, statements from me. Um, they're asking me, do you use drugs? Do you sell drugs? Do your neighbors use or sell drugs? Is there any drug activity going on in your house? I'm like, no, <laughs> please stop asking these dumb questions. Um, who who would have done this? What could, what reason? I said, I, I mean, I must have had to tell these idiots a um, hundred times. My purse was right there with money, guys. They didn't go for anything. They just came for me. Like they were here to hurt me um they wrote up on the police report um three charges if they you know were to catch the guys <clears throat> excuse me um discharging a firearm within city limits breaking and entering and a awick assault with intent to kill so seeing those things on the police report were um I don't know. It was very eye-opening. It was very surreal. It was like, wow, these people actually try to kill me. So my apartment's like all open up. It's all, you know, there's holes, there's glass broken. And of course I had douchey land landlord, so he didn't want to fix anything. And my mom was like, you got to get out of there. You know, what if somebody's going to come back for you? We don't know. If they think you're alive, but they were supposed to kill you, they will be looking for you. Yeah, right. That's it's it could it's like potentially in your mind an unfinished job, which is crazy to say. Yeah, so we don't we don't know what to do. But at that point, I also had a lot of loose ends. Like I had to stay in town because I had to tie up my apartment. I had these cats. I had, still had the loaner vehicle from my job. I had to, you know, whatever. Um, and I, and I have to meet with police and investigators and, uh, you know, victims advocate and all this kind of stuff. So, um, long story short, we check into a hotel under false names and, um, we don't tell anybody. I don't reach out to anybody, any of my friends, nobody there and tell them anything that's going on. Um, and my mom and I just need like... 24 hours to like think and I couldn't I was mush my brains were mush I was just, just like a crazy ca catatonic kind of a person at that point uh, I, I don't think anyone blames you for that <laughs> right. so I was really no help but when we were dry we would like 
my mom wanted me to see you like a therapist like the next day so we're i remember we we're driving and then we're just looking behind us and looking in front of us like is he gonna see me is he gonna go by my place like are are these guys gonna see me so then we did start to get really paranoid and so we were working to kind of tie things up but um my my first meeting with the investigator um before i left town um went horribly went horrible he 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 really seemed to have no interest in the case at all he was like yeah well there's no proof i said there's proof i said that that girl who was there uh when he beat me up she can show you that he has some intent there's other proof there's a lot of other proof like here i wrote her name her address the guy the investigators did nothing so then i spent a whole nother day and i and i got addresses for them i got license plate numbers for them i found um I mean, like, I, I knew names. I just started telling names. I was like, I know some people that are involved in some shady things. You want their names? I need some help. Like, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, they didn't care. They did not care. So, oh, uh, yeah. We decided that the safest place for me would be to, to not be in town. And so um, my mom and a friend of hers packed up my car. Um, and I left in the middle of the night, and I went into hiding. So... I'm getting a an uneasy sense that I think I know how this is potentially going to end. Like uh, so many stories, you know, similar to this do end. Was he ever found connected? Was he ever found, you know, guilty of a crime, convicted for any of this that, you know, occurred to you, anything that may have occurred to his wife or anyone else? Or is he out walking the streets as we speak? Regarding his wife, I have no idea. He is out walking the streets. He, um, my assault charges or the assault charges that involved me as the victim eventually went from the city attorney to the state's attorney's office because I wrote a letter compelling the, the city attorney to do more to stop um, putting the case on hold and doing all this other stuff and to and please talk to my witnesses and the lady that saw, you know, it happen and, and other people who knew about his mental state and stuff like that. Um, and instead of just saying, okay, yeah, we'll do a better job, he dropped the case and it went to the state's attorney. After my case went to the state's attorney, I tried to follow it. But I was also in hiding and I was also suffering from severe PTSD. Um, and so it, it got swept under the rug. Um, and to my knowledge, he was never prosecuted for that original assault. For the shooting, um, I met with the investigator several times. I even went back to town um, and had different meetings. I compiled packages of evidence and all kinds of things that I thought might help testimonies from other people about, you know, the things that happened towards the end of our relationship and his connections and stuff like that. Um, and no, I was told there's no evidence linking him to that crime. Man, that's, it's crazy to hear. And it's so sad to hear, you know, stories like that. But I, I guess more than anything, after hearing that, uh, I think you're, you're giving me heart palpitations while you were telling that story, but like, it's good. Like, we're, we're glad that you're here to tell this story, I think more than anything. And, you know, for, for you, 
you know, the fact that, you know, he's still out there. I know this was some time ago, um, but, you know, how, how are you sort of able to move on to this? And I guess, what did you kind of take away from this experience? Because you did mention suffering, you know, severe PTSD, which uh, clearly, you, you know, with, with what you went through, I think makes sense. But, um, you know, do, do you still consider yourself in hiding or were you just really able to uh, kind of start your own life and and you know how how are you today i guess so i i did remain in hiding for what i considered about a year um before i made contact with you know like just one or two people from that area i still to this day have not reached out and contacted any other friends from that area um for many years i did everything i could to keep my numbers unpublished um, to, um, not have social media, um, you know, when it became a thing, like to really be more secretive. And I, I, and I moved several States away. Um, and so I was fearful, um, for a long time that he might have an interest in finishing the job. If he were to find out that I was alive, if he didn't know that I was, I, you know, I didn't know. Just maybe he doesn't, maybe he thinks I'm dead. Maybe the guys were like, yeah, we killed her. Where's our money? I mean, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> but um, but I, I, it was scary. And then over time, I became a little bit more relaxed and realized that he probably, it would just, it would behoove him to let it go more than it would for him to follow it this far away like if if it is calm and quiet and nobody knows about this and that he's not connected supposedly you know to the crime um then his i'm thinking his motivating factors would be to keep it like that um and so that gave me a little bit of assurance that i i would probably be safe um and so eventually i did get you know social media and i just try to keep things as private as you can you know in those in those realms um i still have um severe um PTSD. I have panic attacks and, um, and anxiety every that happened in like, um, February, March, I think timeframe. And that time of year is always really hard for me. So I have an increase in anxiety around that time. Um, gunshots. If I hear a gunshot, I, I do not do well. Um, if I hear a car crash because it's, it's kind of a loud, hollow, similar type sound. It's not the same, but do you guys know what I mean? Like it's, it's like a surprising one boom sometimes. Right. Does that make sense? So I don't do well with those noises either. Um, and, um, oh, movies. I have a really hard time watching violence in movies um, or um, where they're shooting situations, domestic violence, stuff like that. I mean, naturally, I mean, that makes sense. Right. So, but I still live a, I, I live a productive life. Um, I, I own a business and, um, and I help women, um, in a different capacity, but I'm still helping women in my business. Um, I have three, um, daughters and I'm, um, I'm married and, um, I have worked with women, um, who are going through domestic violent situations and um, for years and years I wore a purple ribbon um, during the month of October to raise awareness and um, just was you know that was really near and dear to my heart for a long time too 
Well, we're really, you know, it's it's good to hear that eventually you would be able to get over something like that, especially, you know, with not a whole bunch of closure from it. You know, I, I know, at least for me, just listening to the story, it's sort of alarming in a way to be like, we never truly know if that was just like a random thing or if this was, you know, something that this guy did. I mean, regardless of it, of not, regardless of that specific situation being, you know, his doing or not you still were in a very bad situation with that man so that alone you know has its own sort of form of ptsd with you know your trust in men or how you live your life from now on when people are in these kind of relationships where there's domestic violence it changes them in some capacity uh for the rest of their life and then to have this also thrown on there it's just just like a whole bunch of more shit that you have to deal with and (laughs) (laughs) for lack of a better word um but it's great to know that you know yeah exactly so it's great to know that you sort of moved on from that and you were able to um in like in some capacity let some of it go and move on with your life and you know it's great that you have a family your own business and you are helping women and you know I, i think it's like a really cool if there is a cool ending to this story <laughs> for it to be, you know, the one that, you know, it turned out to actually be, you know? For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I did spend a lot of time doing um, massive amounts of self-work and, and being in therapy and trying different kinds of treatment modalities and reading a lot of self-help books. So it didn't just come on its own. Um, and I did have, you know, supportive friends and family also that assisted me, um, I'd say my faith, um, also, you know, helped, um, in the journey. I do want to be clear though, that, um, we are a hundred percent sure that, um, that those shooters were sent by him. There is no question in my mind, even the investigator who told me that there's no evidence linking him to the crime, um, told me that he was aware of, um, of his connections and, um, I I don't know if you call it, I say mafia, but his connected associations, that's kind of how the investigator said, we're aware of his connected associations in, in, in the area. Um, there were many, there were several other things that, you know, we didn't really have time to go into, but I just, I just want to say that and, and make sure that we're clear that he, it was not random. There was no other reason for those people to be there. I lived in a really nice area. Um, they were not looking for drugs. They did not look for money. They weren't rapists, right? So mm. they weren't yeah. asked to hide their identity. They didn't mm-hmm. speak to show, you know, I mean, they, you know, it was just the way that it went down. Um, yeah, that's su- totally understood. And, and it, yeah, uh, considering everything, you know, we even learned about him and, and his actions and connections and past in this short time. Uh, it, that makes perfect sense. But just to reiterate, you know, what, what Joe said, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really good to hear that you're doing well now. We, you know, thank you again for, sharing that story and uh obviously sorry that it's something that you had to live through but amazing to hear uh you know about about your family now your success now and um you know just just the the work that you've done on yourself uh no matter what is is inspiring to hear uh and and i think you know a lot of people will appreciate 
you, you know, kind of diving into that as well. Well, thanks guys. I'm super happy that I got to, um, to share the experiences. It is cathartic. I didn't get my day in court, but being able to tell people and, you know, it does make me feel like a survivor. Um, I feel like sometimes I'm the shit for, you know, overcoming that and, <laughs> and, um, and eventually making something, you know, different and new with my life. So I, I appreciate the opportunity and I, it is really important for people to look for these warning signs. I think we got to do a better job of teaching our teenagers, males and females, um, what to look for, you know, in the relationships because they don't, they don't have to stand for that. Um, and we have a tendency to make excuses for people that we care about or think that it's going to change or that it'll be different this time with us or the next time it'll be different. And none of that is really true. I, I believe that the statistics show us that domestic um, abusers and I think the other categories like um, people that, you know, harm children, they have the, the lowest incidence of rehabilitation of any other type of, of, of criminals. Mm. Yeah, re- really well said. I think super important point. Um, and, and for sure. And your story is going to help, you know, get, get that point out there. So again, we, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you again for just taking the time out and, and telling us all of that. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good one. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Before we get to our final thoughts, we do have some sponsors for today. The first one being BetterHelp. Uh, BetterHelp is online counseling. So if you want to talk to a therapist or a licensed professional uh, because you're going through some things or you just want someone to kind of put all of your stuff on, uh, you can go check out BetterHelp.com. Um, also, with our code BetterHelp.com OPL, you will save 10% on your first month. They make it very easy to connect with licensed therapists. Uh, in under 48 hours, you could start communicating. Also, if you need to switch therapists, counselors to find the right one, uh, they make that a very seamless um, process as well. Um, but yeah, it's great. Uh, there's over a million people who joined BetterHelp who are taking control of their mental health. Um, so if that's something you want to do, I know a lot of people are going through some things during this pandemic. So you know, BetterHelp is a, a sponsor of this show, but also a really cool idea. And they, they you also, you're able to talk to your therapist via text if that is, makes it more comfortable or video chat or just on the phone. Um, so they have multiple means of communication. Uh, so yeah, go check them out, betterhelp.com slash OPL to save 10% on your first month of uh, BetterHelp. So go check them out, uh, BetterHelp. Uh, also, we have uh, Honey. Honey is a free online a free browser extension um, that automatically applies coupons to your shopping cart. So if you're shopping on any of your sites, um, they will help you find coupons and discount codes uh, that will help you save as much money as possible. They have, uh, you know, millions of members who have signed up already and they've saved them over a billion dollars in money. And I know that I have honey on all my browsers so that, you know, whenever I'm shopping, I just know in the corner, there'll be a real little drop down menu. I click apply coupon saving money every single time for the most part. Or sometimes what's also helpful is that they'll tell you if this is actually the best price that you can get on the internet, they will also tell you that. Like there's no coupons available because this is actually the best price you're gonna get. So it's also nice to know that you're not overpaying for something. So go check out Honey. Uh, You can get it for free. It downloads in just a few seconds. Uh, Joinhoney.com slash OPL. Uh, But yeah, joinhoney.com slash OPL. Makes sense to have it, all right, the browser, all right? You're saving money. You're going to be shopping online. Uh, You know, a lot of people are going into stores less and less. So you might as well be saving as much money as possible. So definitely download it. It's free, like I said, just to have it there. And it'll automatically apply to your carts and save you money. So 
definitely go check them out. Uh, and lastly here, we have uh, Native, and Native uh, has aluminum-free deodorant. Uh, it's a great addition to your 2021 routine, okay? Uh, they care about what you put on your armpits. Uh, there's a lot of deodorants out there that have these things like aluminum and like parabens that you're putting like directly into your pores under your armpits it's just not good uh for your body to have those things so native they make um you know vegan uh products that are never tested on animals and you know everything that's in them you know like they have shea butter and like i don't even know what's in them honestly uh specifically but they have um natural organic ingredients nothing that's going to hurt you uh but yeah native is risk-free to try every product comes with free shipping within the u.s plus a free 30-day returns and exchanges uh plus they have options uh, native has a line of sensitive deodorants for people uh, with baking soda uh, sensitivities plastic free deodorants um if you're trying to cut down on your plastic consumption uh, and even an unscented option if you're all about your natural scent. Some people smell naturally good. I'm one of those people. Just going to say that. Uh, but they also have great scents. I, I have a bunch of native deodorants, and, I, and the one that I love the most is the vanilla and coconut, I believe it is. It tastes so good you want to eat it. And you probably could. It's vegan. Don't, though. Don't take my word for it on that. Um, but you can even subscribe to native. You'll uh, never have to sweat out you never have to run out of deodorant all right so make the switch to native today by going to nativedo.com slash opl or use the promo code opl at checkout that is native do uh n-a-t-i-v-e-d-e-o.com slash opl or use the promo code opl at checkout for 20 percent off of your first order okay so for 20 percent off go to nativedo.com slash opl and uh yeah That was such a wild story. Uh, one thing I want to just say before we talk about the actual content is that this woman is unbelievable at telling stories. I was sweating. I was there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I was there. And, like, I think, you know, it's it's just, oh, man, it's crazy. And I think it's important. Like, I mean, you know, the reason why... Full transparency here. Me and Greg, usually when we have episodes that come in, you know, if it's just a story that is, um, you know, someone's just going to tell a wild story, sometimes it works for our show, but other times it just doesn't because it's too random and outlandish and we can't really connect it to a bigger picture here. This uh, specifically, it just ended up working out because not only is it a very wild story and kind of out there and, you know, for lack of a better word, entertaining in that uh, capacity, but it's also directly linked to this very important important issue, which is domestic violence, because it, it is something that I think is very prevalent, and uh, I, I feel like, you know, I know a bunch of people that have dealt with domestic, like, abusive relationships, whether it be physical or verbal or, you know, emotional, just just some sort of abuse, and, and a, a lot of them, I would say, are actually physically violent, uh, relationships as well, if not a combination of all three. Um, so I felt like, you know, I, I, and well, me and Greg together felt like this is an important uh, episode to kind of put out there and just let this woman kind of tell her story and put it out there so that we know just kind of, we want the show to help people also. When people tell their stories, you can gain something from that. And with this, you know, one of the things um, you know, that she kind of spoke about is like, this is a guy who was well liked, seemed everything seemed great for a year. And then it turns out that, you know, whether he did this thing actually or not, I mean, you know, all the evidence is pointing there, but 
whether he did or not, all the other shit that he did before that was like, this dude is a bad dude. Like, this is an abusive guy. You know what I mean? So we felt like it was important to kind of do this episode and kind of just keep reiterating the fact that you have to be looking for these signs and you don't need to stand for this shit. And like, if something feels super off about someone out of nowhere, really pay attention to that. Totally. And, um, you know, I pulled just, just some quick stats before we got on from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. It says that one in four women and one in nine men experience physical violence, sexual violence, uh, and or stalking from a partner. That's, you know, one in nine, but especially that one in four for women. It, that's crazy. That's like, yeah. think of how many times you're in the room with at least four women and one of those four experiencing some form of abuse in some capacity from the partner that they love that they're spending their most time with and it's uh man it's just always so hard to hear it's so so sad to hear and and knowing how difficult it is to get out of a situation like that to speak up in a situation like that and you know for her like she she had a gun fired at her and her house yeah. broken into and she was and she was beaten, hit with a brick yeah hit with a brick beaten in front of a witness and still this man is out there walking the streets. So like, there's a reason why it's so terrifying for women, for men experiencing this, anyone to speak up about this, you know, to get a restraining order, to go through the motions with the court, because how many times does, is justice not served, you know, and, and that's scary. But at the same time, um, like you said, I think the importance of looking for warning signs and, and trying to get out of a situation like this is obviously something that we want to bring to light. And yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's cool that we get to be transparent and kind of speak like directly to the listeners and viewers, uh, you know, of this show about kind of our process and how we approach these. And, you know, it's one, one reality of the show as it's grown. And we, we get these guests because they reach out to us mostly. I mean, I wake up, I open my emails is one of the first things I do. There's 10, 12 new OPL emails. I mean, these things are at this point now rolling in, which is amazing for the show. But when I tell you that every single day, multiple emails have to do with some form of abuse or violence from a partner, from a parent, there's so many. And that's you know as much as you know I, I love this show and i think it does help a lot of people it's just so sad to see how common this really is and that's another reason i think we're excited to put this episode out because we know how many of you that listen to the show that have reached out to us uh have dealt with similar experiences and look like this is a crazy story right this is you know it turned into hiring hitman for an attempted murder that's nuts and and there's an element to the story that's just kind of interesting to hear how this unfolded but if if that craziness kind of allows this story to bring the greater issue of, of domestic abuse to light then i think then i think we did our jobs you know what i mean for sure um and you know yes the story is crazy but there's no story there's no spectrum when it like when it comes to abuse like this like there's no story that's too small like every instance of domestic abuse is is just not right and um you know hopefully hearing a, a survivor who who went through this and went through it to the extreme uh can help a lot of listeners out there and you know that's that's the most we can do you know to to use this platform um but yeah i think uh you know we we thank her for for coming on for sure and it's just i'm still wrapping my head around how much she had to go through after the fact and you mentioned it when we were talking to her like there's just the the physical aspect of it like okay i got 
beat. I got a, a gunshot. My house was broken into. Like that type of trauma you live through. But then you play back the psychological aspect. Did mm-hmm. they try to kill me and miss? Is it a miracle that I'm alive? Did they miss on purpose? Like, is he coming back? Because he is still out there. Man, that's uh, that's just trauma on a whole nother level to have to live through also. Yeah, and honestly, the, I, I've... I want to I want to say something. This might, I don't know how long this rant is going to be, but I I think that it's very important because I I yeah <laughs> no because I think it's very important and it actually just popped up the other day again and it's something that's always bothered me, but I haven't really had the opportunity to really talk about it. But I do feel like because she had mentioned it that she thinks that we need to educate you know especially younger kids um, about these red flags and relationships and like thing like red like you know just this is going to be bad eventually down the road like this is not how normal people act like this is a bad characteristic that this person has i do feel like there is a bit of um i don't even know the right word but it's kind of like they romantic like the kids nowadays they sort of like romanticize these toxic relationships in a way where you see these videos on TikTok right and it's just like shows like people like walking in a line and it's like you walk to the right if it's a toxic thing or if a, he- a healthy relationship and like people think it's funny to be walking towards the toxic thing right so like that's just one aspect of it and then you have these people who are glorifying women who are or, or women who go out of their way to glorify the fact that like, yeah, I look through my boyfriend's phone or I will like just be bent out of shape the second he like talks to another woman and you know, even on a friendly level and like it it becomes this thing like, oh, it's cute to be like the crazy girlfriend. And it's like, that is so fucking bad. Like what you're doing, like that is like terrible. You know what I mean? Like that's the antithesis of what we should be doing. Like and what she's talking about is we shouldn't be pushing this agenda that toxic relationships are like funny or that they're cool. Like obviously like they happen and this and that, but like the fact that they get any sort of attention to me is just wild because no one's really paying much attention to healthy relationships or or making, you know, shit like that. Like it's, it's, it's just weird to me that people glorify this toxic lifestyle. You know what I mean? And I, I'll be honest, and I'm I would I wouldn't say this if I wasn't completely confident in it. But it's mostly women. Like it's mostly women who glorify like, yeah, I'm toxic. And it's like I don't really understand that. Mainly because I think if if guys did it, it would come off a whole different way. Of like, if you're a toxic male, it means you're an abuser. But you could be the crazy girlfriend who I'll just look through your phone. So it's a little less mm. damaging in that. So I yeah. feel like there's just like this, but there's this glorification of like toxic relationships and and being like overprotective and like overanalyzing and like give me this, give me that, blah blah blah. And it's just it's just weird, dude. Like it's very strange for me to watch. And I'm like, I don't understand this. Like I don't understand why people feel like this is something to to like that is sought after or like pe- or like when you see shit on social media, you love that it's relatable. So people, in a way, get excited when they're like, ha, 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 like, yeah, I get what you're talking about. It's like, bro, you shouldn't. And, like, mm-hmm. the fact that you're excited that this is relatable content is, is bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's just weird. Yeah, you, you've, you brought this up to me before in the past. I think it's a really interesting point. And, and there's definitely this kind of, like, glorification of, you know, like, a, like sad culture, like being sad or being depressed or, or yes. life isn't going well or, you know, to, like, be a victim. Um, it's strange. I, I think there. I think you're for sure onto something that's kind of like worth exploring there because that is, you know, as fun as it is for social media, how damaging is that in real life? In the long run, and yeah. just and subconsciously and psychologically, like obviously, you know that that's bad. 
And like, I know there'll be some people to be like, oh, well, we make jokes about it to like make light of it. And it's like, yo, you're not making jokes though. Cause eventually when you, when you make enough jokes, now you're pushing like a fucking narrative mm. and you're like influencing people who are younger than you, who are on these social media platforms that think they think, okay, it's normal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like if, if there was never any people going out being like, oh, you know, toxic, like, oh yeah, toxic boys and like whatever, like the college age kids, like, People and girls in high school have to assume that they're going to uh, like, oh, that's just how guys are. They're toxic. Like that's how all men are. It's like that is just not true. You know what I mean? Like in in the fact that you're just pushing that. Like I think of course educate on these are the red flags. These are things you should avoid instead of normalizing it and making it seem like yeah it's sort of inevitable and you know these things are going to happen because that creates you know women who will just put up with it and not like mm -hmm. leave these men or yeah, not like the scary aspect of social media is like we get to curate our experience on social media right we, we kind of determine what we see uh as we've seen with everything from the news to an election but even something like this even the social content the entertaining content it's like we curate that and we then we create our own echo chambers and now you just have this soundboard of people who are kind of justifying that type of behavior or the same message and it even reminds me of uh, you know, speaking to the incel on that episode of like, you find this community online, you find this place where everyone is justifying what you're saying, even though it's dangerous. And then it makes it feel positive. It makes it feel like it's the right way because you have, you know, cause now you only exist in this kind of subculture, um, that's, you know, validating these things that you're thinking, even though they're dangerous thoughts. So yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, social media is scary for a lot of reasons. Look like, and I another love it thing for that, a lot of reasons, but it's we don't even know the long term effects. It hasn't been around right. enough for us to understand how this is going to change us, how yes. it's going to affect us. It's and it's scary. Think about this. It hasn't been around for that long and we already know like this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> like we already know like this isn't good, but we're gonna continue doing it, but this isn't good. Like, you know, it's it's whatever. But another thing, just a specific specific example, like there's this like audio because tiktok's all about like audio right so like there's this audio of like this uh meg the stallion song and like girls are like shaking their ass to it on this app right mm -hmm. so what dudes are doing is they're just playing the audio and then filming their girlfriends uh like making it seem like they're watching videos of girls shaking their ass and then filming their girlfriends and then the girlfriends are obviously like turning around like why you keep watching that like that's the third time you watched it like thinking like why are you watching girls shake their ass and then they like come towards the camera and either like slap the phone or they just like make a face or they say some shit like or whatever and like i know that some of them are real and like whatever but i also know that there's definitely people staging that which is think about the mentality there it's like you're perfectly fine with continuing this narrative and you're faking it. You're faking how toxic or how like insecure your relationship is, like your relationship with your girlfriend, to get likes on TikTok. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you do you not realize what that means or how you look then? Like I, I just don't I just don't get that. Like I just don't understand that because like there there you don't you look like that just looks dumb. Like if you if you're insecure in your relationship and you're posting about it online, like listen, I know that people have their insecurities in, in every relationship. That's not what I'm talking about. But to post it online as some like joking around, like hey, this is a bit of like, you look foolish. Like it's just crazy, man. Like it's damaging. Like it literally like can lead to shit like this. 
instead of pushing education on red flags or, or you know dudes being super possessive or women being super possessive or like not being trusting or mm. super insecure like it's just bad man and maybe it's because i know like women who have been in in relationships with men who i was telling them even from the beginning of like or they would vent to me about certain things and be like yo that's really not good like whatever. and then it ends up like yo and then a year later they get punched in the face and it's like this is not a mistake and earlier you said it like it's so it's she's like it's like a movie it's like a movie it's like yeah because it's so easily pre mm -hmm. it's you can predict it it's so predictable which also should mean that it's easy to avoid it but instead we push this narrative of like it's okay all guys are like this or all girls are like this they're all crazy i hate when fucking guys say that to me like oh yeah a girl yeah they're all crazy you think you could find a, a non-crazy one it's like you're an idiot you know what i mean like that's just not how people are but to push that narrative and actually believe it and tell other people that is just like it's ludicrous to me and i feel like it's irresponsible and it's damaging and if you're still watching this episode of me talking <laughs> like this right now i just want you to know that like if you thought it was funny or you whatever just like think about it in a different way too and like yes yeah, some of these things individually as a piece of content you're like yeah this is entertaining but as a whole when you see a bunch of people doing the same things and pushing this like yeah toxic relationships are hilarious it's fucked up it's fucked up yeah man it's crazy. That, that's it's a really good point and it sucks it really sucks if we're going backwards you know from a place of like truly empowering women to to especially women like to know their value to not have to take shit uh, and th that's it's, it's scary to hear man as i'm like inching closer to having a child of my own man that's scary to hear but yeah dude um wow because but, yeah. and that's a, and like <laughs> j just a, a one click last thing but i know that these these are kids that are making this so they don't really know what they're doing but there is long-term effects for this because if you go your whole life thinking that toxic relationships are normal then you have a toxic relationship and you have children your children are now getting it from social media and they're getting it from you and your fucking wife who have a toxic relationship because that's all you've known and now you're just perpetuating this toxic relationship culture and the mm -hmm. the you know idea of let the relationships go smoothly and not everyone gets a fucking divorce is out the window right think about that and like it yeah. seems innocent but it's like it's not it's like mm -hmm. it's fucked up and that's yeah. all i'll say <laughs> no that i <laughs> you're uh no that shit always bothers me though, man. i really hate it it's like yeah what do you think you're cool because you're crazy like what the fuck i don't even understand no um, not for real I, th I think that's an interesting point and and i do want to say to to kind of tie it back to the episode as well even though i think that was a rant worth going going on and a path worth <laughs> going down um you know one other thing too um is you know if if you do see something and and like you said you you've seen situations like this i've been in situations like this myself unfortunately and you know sometimes you even personally if it's not even directly affecting you but it's a friend if it's someone you see um you even let warning signs go sometimes and maybe don't tell the person because sometimes um you know it takes you as a close friend telling a person to see something that they can't see themselves and uh we just want to leave you with the hotline number it's the national domestic violence hotline uh the website is the hotline.org they do have a live chat and uh the phone number is 1-800-799-SAFE which is 1-800-799-7233 so that's always there as a resource uh if you know you do see warning signs if you're going through something if you need help if you need someone to to speak to uh or potentially just if you know someone 
um, you know, going through this and, and need some help or advice. So definitely just want to leave you guys with that. Yep. And, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Uh, you guys could follow the show at <laughs> OPL show on, uh, at OP- OPL podcast on Instagram and, uh, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash OPL show. Um, we do a behind the scenes of every episode. So, you know, you know, kind of like the conversation that me and Greg had before we got on the air with this person. Um, and sometimes you get bonus episodes as well. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Instagram at OPL podcast. Uh, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. If you're listening, leave a comment on this episode on YouTube, subscribe, you know, all, all that good stuff you guys know already. Uh, but yeah, seriously, if you made it this far, it's a long episode for us. So <laughs> thank you. Yes. Thank you. And that is all. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>